Good morning. morning. You know, in the life of our church, we have various special high and holy days. We have Christmas Eve. We have Epiphany. We have Pentecost. And this Sunday is, nonetheless, but Lord have mercy, have faith, take a leap of faith Sunday. That's me and I'm doing it because I was asked just yesterday by Terry to fill in for him for today. Amy was asked as well. So God is good and God is faithful and we trust God for what God's up to. I'm very thankful to be here and also thankful for Dick Davidson, our lay leader, who was very instrumental in uh, helping out with the beginning of this service. Uh, Let's turn to our scripture, please. We're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. A little bit different uh, than what you see on the screen there. I'm going to shake it up some. But uh, as you do so, this text is very rich about the life of Elijah. <clears throat> then the Lord, word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. <clears throat> so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please, get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But he said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of of this earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and many in her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> there was a small town in the United States. And in the small town, they were experiencing great drought. The farmers were concerned. The crops were drying up. Life was not looking good. There was a possibility of not having enough crops, not enough food. So with that, in this local church, the congregation gathers for prayer. And as they gather for prayer, there is the pastor there, and and he's going to proceed to pray. But before he prays, he notices that there's a child on the front seat. And the front, child in the front seat, she has an umbrella. For this umbrella made the pastor smile. For he knew that this child had faith in God. That God was a God who would care for them. God was a God powerful that could bring the rain. Indeed, Elijah and this widow in a story for today... They needed to have this claim of faith, that this God would be a God who would care for them, a God who would show his power to them in mighty ways. And indeed, God did. First of all, we need to understand who this Elijah is. 
Elijah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. And he was there as a prophet to be a messenger of God. If you were a prophet as a messenger of God, sometimes you were not well liked because you had a message of doom and gloom. The prophet was saying to the people of Israel as well as to King Ahab, you have turned away from God. You have worshipped idols. King Ahab even made a temple that would be in honor of this Baal God. And from that, Elijah was saying, turn. If you don't turn, there's going to be destruction. But along with his words of doom, Elijah had words of hope too. That God was a God of redemption. That God would be a God who would see them through even when they turned away from God. And that as they experienced destruction, that God would care for them and indeed, as they were experiencing their hardship, help them through that, but their oppressors would eventually be taken down. So as we see Elijah here working in the life of King Ahab, he says a message to King Ahab straight from God. And this is a message. Listen closely. You see, as he shares this message with the people, the message is this. The land is going to experience a severe drought. There's going to be no water for quite some time. It's not looking good. And this is, this is how God is going to enact his judgment on you because of where you are and what you've done. So indeed, it does not rain. There is a severe drought. Interesting enough, I think we need to note this point, that the Canaanite god Baal, he was a god of rain and vegetation. So when it was raining, Baal was thought to be alive and doing his thing. Isn't it ironic that God had no rain to happen so that people could see that Baal was powerless, that there was no way that Baal was coming through because of the drought that was in their land. Elijah is told by God to go and hide himself by the brook of Sherith. And as he does so, he goes to this brook and he drinks the water. And when he drinks water, he not only drinks the water, but ravens bring him bread and meat for him to eat. This is an example of God's powerful living care for Elijah. You see, Elijah at this point, I would imagine, was probably physically spent, exhausted himself, emotionally drained because of dealing with Ahab and the, and the people of Israel, and maybe he was spiritually burned out, just tired of, of serving God, being as God, with these people who were so stubborn. Don't know that for certain, but we do know that he was at a low point. And so as he was at this low point, God cared for him, and God offered him water and meat and bread. But then God said something else. I love this. God continues this care for Elijah. And what does God do? He says, Elijah, I want you to go to this foreign country, and as you go there, I am going to have a widow to care for you. Isn't that something? That God would send Elijah to a foreign country. That says to me that God was interested in not only the people of Israel seeing his power, but the people of where Elijah was to go. <clears throat> Elijah went to Zarephath, near Sidon. This is where Ahab's wife was from, Jezebel, a country that did not worship God. They were not Israelites, very Gentile, very much against God, and worshiped idols to the fullest. So we hear, here we have this Elijah with this woman, this, weta, this widow, and as she and he are together, I want you to picture the following scene. Here she is trying to make ends meet. 
she's with her son, trying to help him with where he is. And so as she's gathering sticks, Elijah says to her, would you please get me some water? And she's like, okay, I can do that. The water is scarce, but I'll, I'll find you some water. She was someone of great hospitality. It was a cultural thing that that day to be the hospitable. So she gets the water for Elijah. And then get this, as she's getting the water, Elijah says to her, while you're at it, would you please bring me some bread for I'm hungry. And this woman goes, have you lost your mind? (laughs) There isn't any bread around here. I just have enough bread for me and my son. It is not going to last us, much less be enough for you. So from that, she follows the faith walk of Elijah and indeed takes the oil and the flour. And from that, something miraculous happens. Something miraculous happens. More and more flour and and bread and, and oil is provided for her by God. You see, she indeed sees there's something special about this Elijah. She says, as the Lord your God lives, she recognizes that he is a Jew from Israel. She understands possibly that this God of Israel is the one who is powerful. Why wouldn't she? Because she just experienced a miracle. And as she has this miracle, it's interesting to note that that Elijah is there to comfort her, to believe in the midst of the miracle that God was going to take care of her. He says to her, fear not. I love that. Fear not. She's about this miracle taking place. He says, don't be afraid. That's such powerful words, isn't it? Oftentimes, a prophet would say that. A prophet would say, fear not. And then after that came the word of God. The word of God to touch the hearts of the people with the truth. And in that, he did share truth. Through his actions, this miracle occurred. And as she saw this action, she trusted Elijah. And she saw the power of God in Elijah, and I wonder if she began to doubt the power of Baal, that her heart was turning more towards God and and what God was doing in her life. For she was witnessing the power of God in this miracle for sure and his ongoing provision. As we look at Elijah and the widow, we see that they were greatly affected by the life-giving power of God. The widow, she had the food to eat, and something to drink. Elijah did likewise. But for her, the woman, she experienced something much greater, a spiritual awakening of her dryness because of her lack of faith and understanding of God and God's power. Then Elijah, he was fed too physically, but he was fed spiritually and emotionally, lifted up that he might continue to be the prophet that God would have him to be. That is the power of living God in Elijah, working in and through him. You know, I do know there are times in our lives, times when we have a great need for God, times when we experience a drought, times when we're like, oh God, where are you? Life is hard. I'm spiritually just spent. I'm not sure if you even exist, God. Or God, wow, this is so hard. My life is like this. Is my life going to continue like this? I have had opportunities, privileges to be able to talk to many of you about where you are with some of the heartaches that you're experiencing. And there's some things that are very heavy. People that are going through the loss of a loved one, 
um, be it through death or divorce, or, or individuals who have loved ones with addiction or, or mental illness or taking care of elderly parents or whatever the issue is, marital problems, there are all sorts of things that weigh us down and cause us to feel like we're in this drought. I at times have been in that drought as well, just waiting for God to provide, waiting for God to show up, waiting for God to show his providential care and power. God was indeed with Elijah and his widow. God was in their times of dryness before the rain to show them who he is, his love for them, his care for them, that he was faithful. He would, would never leave them or forsake them. You see, God's presence led them to experiencing God's life-giving power on a continuous basis. On a continuous basis, not just at the moment of their dryness, but also when the miracle occurred, but even beyond the miracle. The rest of the story is this, and this is where I think it's so exciting. You see, God is working in the lives of the widow as well as the life of Elijah. The scriptures I did not read after the text I read is as following. I'm not going to repeat it for you from beginning to the verse to the end, but here it is in summary. The summary is that this woman, her son, ends up becoming sick and dying. And so therefore, she goes to another crisis, another drought. But the great thing is that God brings Elijah to her again. And God brings forth a miracle. He raises this, this child from death to life. And from this, this woman is able to experience God. And, and she, from that, is able to say, wow, this God, your God, is alive and real. I have faith in him. Praise be to God. So we see in this experience, the widow had this ongoing presence of the living God to sustain her, to give her what she needed. God was there again to lead her through where she was, to be able to see God and God's care for her. You know what? Elijah, too, needed to see God. For in the next chapter, Elijah ends up being in a contest with the Baals of false gods and their false prophets. And in that contest on Mount Carmel, something wonderful happens. God is God, and God burns up the offering. And from that, the false prophets are killed. And in that, Elijah shows that God is the victor, that God is most powerful over all that is not of God. And so as we see this here, it's a wonderful story of how God worked in the life of Elijah, how God worked in the life of this widow on an ongoing basis for them to be able to see God's providential care. Sometimes God's care works for us in different ways. It may not be as powerful as a miracle like this, but I'm here to tell you with where you are in life, no matter where you find yourself, there is the presence of God. It may be a big presence or maybe a small presence, but because of God's great love for you and me, he is going to be there in a providential, caring, life-giving way to lift us up, to move us forward, to help us to be able to see that in this life we have victory in this life over where we are. God is faithful. And I want us to be able to see today <clears throat> the most wonderful example of God's faithfulness, and that is the cross. For as we look at the cross, we're reminded of what God did upon the cross, that out of death on the cross came life. The life of Jesus 
He came back from the dead. He arose. And in that, we have victory over the power of sin and death. We have everlasting life. We can claim this hope that this Jesus, this life-giving Jesus, as we know him as Lord and Savior, if we have accepted Jesus into our heart, we have the power of God within us to remind us time and time again in those moments of drought and dryness that he is there, that he is faithful, and he's going to make himself known to us in only the way that God can make himself known to us. And for that, I give God thanks and praise. I hope this encourages you today, and if you're finding yourself in a place of drought, that you will indeed remember that God is going to be present in some way to miraculously show his living power to you to remind you of his faithfulness. As we are about communion, this is the time for us to feed on grace. I love that. Don't you love that? Feeding on grace. The grace of what Jesus has done. The power of Jesus in and through us. And from that, as we remember that grace, we are transformed. We are changed. We are reminded of the power. That power lives through us in this communion. And it can truly point us to this God who is a life-giving God who wants us to be able to see that he is with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. So when we have this communion today, I pray there'll be a time for us to remember this life-giving power of God isn't over today. It is going to go on tomorrow, the next day, the next day, until the rains come, or even if the rains don't come, God is still going to be God. Praise be to God for who God is. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The life-giving power of our elements are here. This is Jesus for us. This is Jesus blessed, and in that, we know that Jesus is present in the form of his grace and what he's done for us, the the broken body, the blood that was shed, and and from that, we know that we're loved. We know that we, we can go nowhere without his grace covering us and reminding us of his great care And for that, I give God thanks and praise. God's a mighty God. So as we're about this communion today, I want us to lay claim to who this God is in this grace. And the great thing about communion, what I love about it is, it is a grace that not only quickens our hearts and moves us deeper in our relationship with God, but communion has the possibilities in grace to point people to Jesus for the first time. For people to come to know him as Lord and Savior, John Wesley called this the means of grace. Today we're going to be about grace. I want us to think about Jesus in the upper room and where he was with his disciples. I love this picture of Jesus. Here he is in the upper room with his disciples. They're reclining, having the Passover. And as they are doing so, Jesus is trying to make a point. So let let our minds go there to where Jesus was on the Last Supper, prior to his crucifixion that Friday. And here's what was going on. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Mm. The act of God 